Today's guest believes life is too short for their art and work to go unnoticed. She also has a philosophy that creative thinking allows us to find opportunities in hidden places. Lori Rose Lowski is a Bozeman, Montana-based pianist, singer-songwriter, educator, performer, producer, and CEO, and founder of Open Sky Artist LLC an arts management and consulting firm that creates flourishing partnerships for artists and venues while producing captivating events. She supports the work of dozens of artists and venues across the country. Lori is committed to excellence and integrity, stemming from her education in science and music at Oberlin College and the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School, where she achieved her Ph.D., She's a connector of people and ideas. She believes in lifelong learning. Lori created and chairs Wonderlust Preludes and Performances, a series of public events for lifelong learners designed to increase audience engagement of arts offerings in the Galatian Valley and Big Sky regions of Montana. Similarly, she initiated and hosts Rivers, Rhapsody in View events and retreats. These private house concerts and shows connect socially conscious organizations with professional performers to increase the flow of resources, audience, awareness, and funds to all participants. She is a collaborative pianist for students and faculty at Montana State University and is involved in other musical and theatrical ventures in Bozeman, including serving as music director of Verge Theater's production of Fun Home and as a board member of Bozeman's Actors Theater. She is married to Dr. Mark Rosolowski, a scientist, and together they have raised two sons, Kurt and Cody. Lori enjoys yoga, skiing, biking, hiking, and is a competitive U.S. master swimmer. To connect with Lori, you can find her at her website, openskyartist.com. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram at openskyartist. And her LinkedIn account is under her name, Lori Rosolowski. That's R-O-S-O-L-O-W-S-K-Y. So without further ado, we are going to start today's episode. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. You're going to love Lori's energy, her personality, and most importantly, you're going to love the fact that she's unashamed to be raw and organic and tell it as it is. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for unique gifts for the special women in your life? Moms, sisters, friends? The second phase Etsy shop was created with gift giving in mind. Visit the shop to purchase beautiful note cards for every occasion that after your special someone reads the personal note from you, they can put the card in a simple frame to display in their home. A gift that keeps on giving. The second phase features my original art photography that I personally selected for you. Another great gift idea is a journal. These journals are beautifully crafted with sturdy covers with my fine art images on them. We created the pages lined on one side and blank on the other for those who like to doodle, write in free form, or draw as part of their journaling practice. At the second phase, we believe in creativity as a tool for living a purposeful and meaningful life and want to share our creations with you. Our products are great for teacher gifts, Mother's Day gifts, birthday gifts, and just little happy gifts and inspiration. Are you feeling extravagant and want to treat yourself to some art? Check out our beautiful line of fine art prints. They help any room in your home feel special. To access the Etsy shop, Visit my website, www.robingrahamphotography.com forward slash shop, or you can go straight to Etsy and just search the second phase. But keep in mind, there are no spaces. The second phase is all together. We hope you enjoy the shop and all of the products we've created, especially for you. Hello friends, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host, and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. 
I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in this second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Lori Rosalowski, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thanks, Robin. Such a privilege to be invited to be on. Well, thank you for taking time to be here. I'm honored that you said yes, and I can't wait to share your story and your energy and your passion. Thanks. So, Lori, will you tell the listeners a little bit about you, please? Sure. So um, I'm not afraid to say that I'm 58 years old. And I think instead of having sec two phases, I think I'm on number six. <laughs> and um, She's like a cat. <laughs> um, exactly. So how many more lives do I get? Three? <laughs> okay. A better ration. <laughs> so like you, Robin, my first career was in the sciences and I, and I got a PhD in pharmacology at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas. And that's where I met my husband. And my first career was as an environmental scientist. And I spent about five years working for an environmental consulting company in Princeton. And then by that point, our, um, our first child was two and a half. And we were having, uh, I was, the work balance, the work-life balance was not, non-existent. And I had a, a marriage, a child, and a very demanding job. And I realized that two of those things were priceless and I didn't want to lose them. And so with much angst, I gave up that job and I, and I informed my bosses that they'd, they'd really made it impossible for me to stay because this was 1996. And they, you know, the email and all that was new. Telecommuting was new. I'd been able to do it, but they made me come back into the office if I was going to be promoted. And basically the idea of family-friendly work was an oxymoron. And so they kind of forced my hand, turned out to be one of the best things ever because it allowed me to pivot to one of my big passions, which was music. And so I decided to teach piano, which I had done since I was a kid and use the income and satisfaction from that to also now pay for piano lessons from uh, someone who's still a very active pianist and teacher in the Philadelphia area. And we'll talk about him later because he's actually um, my first client in what's my current phase. So things always come around. So by leaving that job, um, it allowed me, forced me to pursue something that I have ended up turning into many other phases. So at the time I was a piano teacher and a classical pianist, and then I morphed that into becoming a singer songwriter, learning jazz, getting back into accompanying and doing musical theater and music directing and getting into that sort of show tunes world. So I've taken my passion for music and performing and expanded my skills um, in within that realm. And then that ultimately led to my starting what is now my current, my latest phase, probably not my last phase, but <laughs> through, the, through the process of all that, because I was always passionate about performing, I had to learn how to market myself and found myself spending a lot of time 
promoting my performances and, and the big events I was organizing and less time actually practicing for them just because I wasn't motivated to practice if I felt like no one was going to come. And so, and I love words. I'm a songwriter. I, I love words. And so I love thinking about catchy headlines to get people to engage with me. So let's start with the fact that you're a scientist and a creative. And like you said, we have that in common. And I think it's actually more common than people think it is because I, it's not just the two of us. I've learned of several people recently that have the same, same mind. And um, talk a little bit about your perspective on that, Lori, because they're totally, totally different. But yet I think that because of the way our minds work, we can shift and we can be strategic in a creative world that most people that are just creatives, and I don't mean just creatives as only creatives, I mean who focus, whose brain is more on the creative side without that strategy, I think they struggle more with building a business around the gifts from a creative perspective. Exactly. So I think that you've nailed it in that by having, you know, we could be simplistic about it and call it right and left brain skills, but you know, the right brain side of ourselves, we think outside of the box. Sometimes we don't even see a box, you know, we're not seeing limits, but the left brain, that organized ability to go from A to B to C and understand logic and order of operations and get things done in a systematic way, the way a scientist needs to do. I think you and I are both able to meld those innate skills into what we've each created as our businesses. Yeah. And I've been a student this past year of Jessica Butts and the Front Seat Life coaching program. And her, she comes to it as a former psychotherapist who is an expert in the Myers-Briggs personality type. And so as we address this, these are the J and the P aspects of personality. The J is the more organized, controlled boss side of things the p is the more go with the flow and both of those things i feel are essential to succeed mm -hmm. and the fact that many of our artistic clients are all about the art and don't have that science side that's where i think i can come in and say okay i can help you create and stick to your plan mm -hmm. yeah and strategy is a it's a real gift to have um, an organization is a real gift to have because if you don't have those two things, you, I think you sort of flounder. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I find that so many of our clients are so talented. They have so many ideas coming out of their head that they need someone to be an accountability partner for them, if you will, and say, look, of all these amazing things, let's start here. This could be a good timeline. Let's use the success of that to leverage you to the next step. And I need it myself too. I think, you know, I know you're in coaching and mastermind groups all the time. You're leading them, you're in them. You need it too, because you are full of ideas and you need someone outside yourself to say, this is the one that I think resonates the most right now in this environment, mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, yeah, that accountability piece is huge because I think I can come up with idea after idea. My list is so long, but it's identifying that point of focus for right now, where I'm gonna get the most bang for the buck at this time and who I'm gonna be able to serve or what I can do to serve the most people at this exactly. time. So it's, it's all of those things combined, but sometimes we need that extraneous source to, to kind of guide us and push us or, or hold us accountable for achieving that versus keep just writing down ideas and, exactly. and not stopping <laughs> to yes. focus for a while. <laughs> right. And, you know, we're recording this late March in the probably early stages of this pandemic. And, you know, I just want to say here and now that you are incredibly gifted at doing this podcast and who knows where that's going to take you. And now that your business is shifting, in the short term, hopefully only the short term, who knows? This podcast fortunately is ideally designed for social distancing and you are serving so many people by it. And I'm so eager to share the lessons that you're 
teaching all of us through all the guests that you're having. So who knows by obviously it wasn't your intention to perhaps make this your focus right now, but it's turning out to be, and who knows where that will lead you. Yeah. It's like everything in life. Don't you think timing is everything? Timing is everything. And usually the changes we make are not um, self-motivated. Usually no. we are a force to. And one of my very favorite quotes that I say, I, I don't know if I read it somewhere, but it's certainly, it's what I say all the time, which is when things are tolerable, you tolerate them. And when they're miserable, you change. Mm -hmm. So I left that job in the mid nineties because I was miserable and had to change. All of us now cannot work in the old world. Um, we, things are miserable you, in, in many ways, and we must change our business mm -hmm. practices and our living practices. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have a choice and the choice, we have a false choice because really we have to change or we won't survive. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we're, we're directed by God or whatever, whatever Beautiful. higher power you believe yeah. in that yeah. is, you know, that's guiding us. And, and sometimes he uses his hand to force us into doing exactly. things. And, and maybe there is a message in all of this. And I think as you and I talk, as we get further into this interview, I know your passions are going to come out and they're, you are so passionate about so many things, but they're powerful passions and they're passions that have the potential to change lives. So, but before we go that deep, let's talk a little bit about your second, well, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth yeah. phase, whatever we're on um, and what you're doing at, with open sky artists, because it's a very unique business model. Um, you're in the personal branding space like I am, but you're doing it solely for creatives or for the most part anyway, creatives. Mm -hmm. So tell everybody specifically what you're doing now and, and who your ideal avatar is and who you're serving at this point in time with this business that you're working in now. Happy to do that. Thanks. So Open Sky Artists is the name of my company. I started it a week before we moved from Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and drove across the country to Bozeman, Montana, where we live now and we intend to stay. And the idea for Open Sky Artists came from the fact that as a performer myself, and I recognized how much I needed to promote myself and my bandmates or my fellow. And I, um, as I was leaving town, a lot of my musical colleagues said, Lori, could you help me get my business and get more gigs and things like that? And then I knew I'd be coming back to the Pennsylvania area to perform. And so I would be referring gigs that I couldn't take that I normally would have been geographically close to, to my colleagues. And I knew that was a lot of work. And so the idea for Open Sky Artists came from the fact that I knew I needed to up my game of promoting myself. I was moving to a place where no one knew me. I had colleagues back in the East Coast that could benefit from my services. And frankly, I was not happy with this, the agent that had helped me or tried to help me. And that drove me to realize that I want to champion artists and the institutions that rely on them and do it in a way that's different than a typical agent. I wanted to get away from all the transactional aspects of that relationship and make it all about everybody winning, which means I did not want to be a gatekeeper and say, hey, if I got you an opportunity, you always have to go through me. I wanted to open the door and say, here it is. Um, you know, let's make the most of this and minimize things that middle men, middle people don't need to do and just make it all about how can we get the artists the best opportunities, the venue that's hosting them the best talent, both of those at the best, fairest, most workable price so that the ultimate goal is that you've served the audience. And that's why we're all doing this because performers, artists of all kinds live, they breathe to make good 
meaningful art to share with others. And so there's so many avatars in my business, but from a, from a financial standpoint, our ideal avatars are typically performers and sometimes institutions. And those are the people that have to invest time and resources so that we can bring the work to the stage and get people to come to enjoy it. Well, and having both of those avatars is, you know, we talk a lot about niching down, but you kind of niche down to then open back up. And you are, you're kind of doing that because you have both avatars that ultimately you could marry. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. Yes. You're and creating so more opportunities for both, for both avatars by having right. both of them under the same umbrella. Right. And the thing I spent so many times, you know, running around or on my bike or in the swimming pool thinking, how can I do this in a way that will work for all and still make money? How can I do this and not be a barrier? And, um, and what I figured out was that my subscription billing model rather than a commission billing model was the way to go. And, and it doesn't have to be subscription. It can be just a flat fee that you pay for our services. But this way, I am not incentivized to work for just high dollar gigs. I am incentivized to give both the venues and the performers access to each other in a way that benefits them. And especially now in this time of pandemic where people want to perform and people want to see art, classic case, money is the least abundant resource right now. Um, and so, but that doesn't mean we can't make good stuff happen. And, and that doesn't mean, and that means that um, I can open the door for people and not worry if I'm getting some percentage of the, the ticket, the, the gate. And, and that was a critical realization for me that there's a different way to do this. And, and if I just give my best self, which I will, then I can be freer to think about opportunities that could benefit all, even when money is not the resource being traded. And that's what gives me great joy. So you've mentioned money a few times in there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've all heard the phrase starving artist. Right. And the one thing I like about your business model is that um, you want to help artists be able to afford these services. And so you have designed your company to make that feasible. So talk a little bit about how you've done that. And you, you did mention, you know, you're, you've got like a subscription versus commission, but talk a little bit more about how you're doing it so that people can afford to have your services, especially in light of the fact that right now, you know, Broadway's closed, right? Nobody's getting paid. Uh, right. You know, what, what happens in this environment? And, and then when all of the, the, the pandemic is behind us, people are still going to have financial restrictions. So I want to have you talk a little bit about that because I think it's really important that, you know, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, and especially a woman, I think it's really important that you're opening doors for people, but you're doing it in a way that is affordable so that they're not having to sacrifice other things in their life to be able to find success, follow their dreams, reach their goals, fuel their passions. Yes. So what we've come up with so far is that we have names for our different plans. And one is called the Olympus plan and one is called the Everest plan. And then there's a hybrid. And the analogy is great because I live in the Rockies and I love mountains and mountains are boundless. You can keep climbing. And Olympus, Mount Olympus is something you can climb and train for in a weekend. Mount Everest, it takes a year to climb, I'm told, and you know, a long time to climb. I probably won't know myself, but that's what they say. <laughs> Nor will I. <laughs> and so um, I have other mountains to climb. <laughs> that's yeah, <for> sure. exactly. <laughs> so the Everest plan is our 12 month subscription plan, or that's what it was before the pandemic hit. And that's the idea that we're championing you for 
a long time. You're investing in yourself and us to support you, to do what you don't want to do, don't, can't do, don't have the time to do. We're helping, we're your, we're your pit crew. This is mixing metaphors, but we're the one that's going to take you in that longer, you know, that longer race, be there when you get that flat tire or going back to the mountains when you need your water bottle filled up. And so that's the long-term subscription plan. And that gives us the leeway to do whatever you seem to need in a particular time. Is it press releases? Is it your CD cover design? Is it your website overhaul? Is it creating events on the ground somewhere? The Olympus plan, that shorter term plan, can be, it can be any price point that seems to work for you at the time, and it could be any duration. And so um, an example of Olympus plan might be we support uh, playwrights and maybe they need someone to review their play um, and get feedback on it. Um, let's see. Another Olympus project, we have someone who's written a bunch of musicals and he has a brochure that we created for him. We're about to implement a, a snail mail campaign as well as an email campaign. That's not a year long project. You know, we, we created all that in less than a month. And then now because of the pandemic, we're maybe changing the timeline of when we send it and communicate. But the point is it's not a year long project. So it allows, it, it sort of allows people to have the choice, not unlimited choice, but uh, a way to try to work with whoever is interested in partnering with us. And then the third option is the hybrid. You could be, you know, we could have an Everest once a you know, 12 month plan, and then you need some big high intensity initiative. We pop on an Olympus plan on top of that, get it done and boom, and you're back and you're still in your, our world. So that's, that's awesome. The show. Yeah. And I love how you said it's an investment in yourself. Yes. It's not a cost. It's not something you're just paying. This is an investment in your future. Right. And um, as I keep mentioning, Jessica Butts, one of the coaches I rely on, who has this book, Be Unapologetically Who You Are, and she's the personality-driven coach. So she has wonderful quotes in each page of this journal. And one of them is, you will never go broke investing in yourself. And that speaks to my commitment to the growth mindset. And something I've also always said, which is my comfort zone is the edge of my comfort zone. Sometimes that means paying money for something that I didn't think I deserved or should and being nervous that I won't pay back, pay itself back. Sometimes it's just trying a new athletic endeavor. Sometimes it's, you know, learning how to be a bit, it's totally been learning how to be a business person and ask clients for money when I'm doing something that I'm passionate about and would do quote anyway, until it becomes this full-time job, which it has. And you know, I have to interrupt you for just a second because talking about money, money mindset, I used to listen to these people talk about this and I thought, what do I don't get it. This is so silly money mindset. But what I've learned is when you're an entrepreneur, imposter syndrome creeps in so quickly and so unexpectedly. And then you, like you said, I'm doing, I'm following my passion. I'm doing something I love. So, you know, I have to sometimes tell myself, just like you just said, it's okay to charge for this because at the end of the day, the more money I have, the more people I can serve. But it's taken me a while to, you know, really accept that fact that there is a mindset associated with money. And I had to adjust myself, my own mindset for that. Yes. And that's been the biggest area of growth for me is, is the mindset adjustment and then actually the nuts and bolts of it, which it cracks me up because you just aired today a podcast uh, from Jenny. Um, oh, Gina. Gina. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Yeah. On Monday. Yes. You're talking about Jenny Schottmiller. Yes. Yeah. And that, that aired Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going, she's talking to me. She's talking to me. And then Gina even said her biggest mistake was not having a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. And and I now have one, someone who's totally helped me understand when you bring $100 in, in it turns out you don't have $100 to spend. Right. <laughs> and like 
surprise, surprise. And I was not allocating my money properly and reinvesting in the business and allowing for taxes. And if there's an affiliate fee associated with it, you know, and so I'm starting to understand billing in a way that when I ask clients for money and, and I can justify it, it's not like I'm winging it and it's not like I'm being greedy. It's like, this is the cost of doing business because i work in the arts field where people are accustomed as you said to say starving artist although i'm learning to use the word hungry artist because we're oh, i like that better yes it's a more abundant mindset and a yes. seeking mindset um i can i can give a price that isn't it's based it's grounded in reality so i don't run my business into the ground and I'm very creative about how I have my clients finance because I want them to be able to take advantage of our resources, even if the cash flow is not ideal. Mm -hmm. And that's a struggle because I'm also learning, and you listen to this with so many podcasts, you know, determining your ideal avatar isn't just do they need what I offer? It's also all that other inside that value proposition, not value proposition, their core values. Are they the kind of people I want to work with? And my fundamental bottom line foundational values are excellence and integrity. And you can be poorer than dirt or have, you know, no money, but you can have excellence and integrity and we will make it work. And on the flip side, you can have more money than God and have zero excellence and integrity. And that doesn't work for me either. I don't want your money if you're not going to be someone I can work with, with transparency and authenticity and all those goodies that you and all the guests who you are championing through your podcast um, pride themselves on and live yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. And that is so important because at the end of the day, if you're not working with people that you align with, you're not happy, they're not happy, and it's just a downward spiral. Right. Would you like to learn more about personal branding? Maybe you are ready to take your existing brand to the next level. The Brand Insider Mastermind will delve into every aspect of personal branding and help you create or up-level your personal brand to help your business soar to new heights. There will be an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to ask questions, an accountability partnership, an opportunity to grow your network and referral source, and much more. We will meet bi-weekly for one and a half hour sessions. During each session, a personal branding theme will be presented and discussed. Each individual will have time to ask questions and report on their specific tasks or action items. Goals and tasks will be set for the next two week period. And the Brand Insider Mastermind will be a place of accountability and connection with no judgment, only kindness and accessibility to personal and business development. The first session will run from April 1st to June 17th, a total of 12 weeks. Each mastermind participant will receive a one-on-one -on -one consultation at the end of the 12-week session. This is a value of $300, but will be included in the price of the mastermind for the introductory mastermind session. The themes that we will discuss and that will be taught during the mastermind sessions include the five C's of personal branding, the five W's of personal branding, the five components of a personal brand, how to identify your niche and ideal audience, content creation and differentiation, blogging, email marketing, networking, individual website and social media profile reviews and recommendations from me. Participant-led discussions based on questions and needs. The price for this is only $397. It is a one-time, super low introductory price. Space is limited to only 12 participants to guarantee one-on-one -on -one attention. In addition to everything else mentioned, you will have access to my private Brand Insider Facebook group for ongoing access to the mastermind for learning, questions, and accountability. I sure hope to see you in the Brand Insider Mastermind in spring of 2020. To access the information, to learn more, or to register, go to my website, www.robingrahamphotography.com. 
com forward slash shop. You mentioned this briefly before, but I want to hear, and we, we have so many similarities and that's why we've become good friends. But, um, so I have to just preface this as everyone that knows my story knows that my very first professional shoot was for a musician and an artist and entertainer. And I did her website photography and people that is Lori. So (laughs) everybody give Lori a round of applause, but um, Lori is where I basically found my passion for personal branding photography. And back then, nine years ago, neither one of us had any clue what personal branding was. Lori knew she needed pictures to use for CD covers or her website or her brochures, but neither one of us knew what that was going to lead us to nine years later. And so I had to say that because I'm forever grateful to Lori, um, forever grateful to her for, you know, basically launching me into the person I am today because your, your trust in me, that first time we worked together really launched me. But, um, you mentioned that your classical pianist instructor or however you, you title that, um, Mm -hmm. was your first client at open sky artists. So yeah. Tell us, I mean, there's a little bit of irony here. So it, tell it, us a little it, bit about that. I just think it's funny. Right. That is cool. And before I do that, I just want to say thank you because I would love it if you could show your listeners, you know, your first, fo- some photos of me that back then, and then your latest one mm-hmm. that you did because world, whoever's listening, she photographed me sitting on top of my piano with my toes painted red pretending to play. I mean, it captured my impish personality and it just was so innovative compared to so many piano photo shoots that you see. So brava to you. And remember when I said, you have to get your toenails painted red and you're going to have your toes on your, you were like, what? I don't paint my toenails. (laughs) I don't even do my fingers. And I did those too. It was so much fun. And, um, So Clipper Erickson is my classical piano teacher in the Philadelphia area, and he is my first Open Sky Artist client. And so before the pandemic, he was slated to come out to Bozeman, Montana and Colorado and Idaho and do about a week-long tour of maybe six performances and master classes and all sorts of things that we were going to do. And of course, that's just been postponed, you know, so although we're looking into some digital options for some of that to happen, but yeah, so he and I were sitting in the den, Zen Den in Doylestown where you and I met for coffee last time I was in town and he said he needed help and, and I said, I can do this. I can help you. And so He's our classical pianist client, but we have jazz bands and we have theater people and chore- uh, choreographers. And we have someone who's actually a doctor who wants to become a talk show host. And so he wants to take his uh, expertise in science and use it in the field of entertainment education, if you will. And so Um, it's just so funny how these deep connections from, you know, I studied, I've studied with Clipper since I met him in 1996. I haven't studied a lot with him in the last 10 years because I've morphed into different kinds of music, but whenever I'm learning a classical piece, he's my go-to guy. That's awesome. I think that the moral of the story there though, Lori, is I say this all the time with my branding clients is our email list is so important and I know you have one, but when you're first starting out, don't be shy. Don't be afraid to tell people what you're doing, how you're transitioning and what your expertise is because people don't just know that. So tap into that original resource of your community that you're in and the people that you know now when you're getting ready to start something because they're going to launch you. They're going to spread the word about you. They're going to be the first people that hire you. They're going to be your first champions and cheerleaders in your new endeavor. So 
use those resources of the community you've already laid the groundwork with. They already know you. They already like you. They already trust you. Right. And then you'll launch yourself using that beautiful gift of the community you already have. Yes. And I think one of the big ironies about what both you and I do is that we're both becoming experts in the uh, tools of the of this century in terms of digital marketing, social media, and everything. Yet, if one of the ways we might end up measuring our success is the point that we don't need any of that because word of mouth, people knowing Robin's the go-to person, she's awesome in every way. You know, at some point in a way, if all your email list and all your social media goes out the wazoo, it may not matter if you have so much business. And I just find it the biggest irony that in the end, and this goes back to something I hear on your podcast week in, week out about the from the inside out. In the end, if you're good on the inside, after you've been working long enough, enough people will know you, business will be word of mouth, and you could hopefully throw your email marketing list out the window and your social media. There's other reasons to have all that, obviously. Yes, of We're course. sharing great content, et cetera, and educating people. But from a simply marketing point of view, because you're a good person and they know they can trust you, and then they see your work, that's going to lead the next client to call you up mm -hmm. after this pandemic. <laughs> yeah, after, after this after pandemic. The, yeah. <laughs> hopefully in June or July, whenever this airs, hopefully <laughs> we're on the flip side of that and our phones are ringing again, right? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Okay. So Lori, you mentioned that, so you lived in PA and obviously that's where we met and worked together. Mm -hmm. And then you moved to Montana. Mm -hmm. you're an avid skier you're an outdoors person mm -hmm. and i it seemed like the ideal place for you right. and your family right but you moved and then what happened because it wasn't all sunshine rainbows and unicorns no kidding yes and i am someone who suffers from anxiety and depression like so many people in the world and when we moved in July of 2016, everything was sunshine and mountains and wildflowers. But then when winter hit, I, I succumbed to the worst depression of my life. And Montana has a very high suicide rate. They have a shortage of therapists. It was the winter and I couldn't find a therapist. And I'd also gone off the medication that I'd been on and been able to go off of when I had gone back to the Lori that I like to be inhabiting, not the other one that sometimes takes over. And so, and the medication I was using didn't work anymore and I was freaked out. And in retrospect, here are all the triggers. I had moved and left a network of people I loved and who loved me that I enjoyed for 25 years. Our then 13 year old was not adapting well and I felt like I had, you know, betrayed our son, our younger son. Um, the other one is out of the house and fine. Um, I was going through menopause. Um, it was winter. It was freezing. Um, I didn't, I was nobody again. And I was so tired at age 55 of having to reinvent myself yet again. It's like, how many times do I have to prove myself? And at first, Bozeman felt very insular and I couldn't figure out how to break in. So it was now that's not the case, at least now that I'm quote on the inside, but part of my job is to make sure there's no outside. I mean, open sky artists. Mm -hmm. The word says it all, like there is enough for everybody. And so my job is to make sure nobody else feels excluded too. So it's the worst thing of my life. And I thought, I just can't go through this anymore. Fortunately, I found a therapist. She was wonderful. And she helped me deal with the immediate emotional crises and, and find my way again. And then in the next year or so, I spent the time I, when I got back to the self I like to be and we found medication, oh, I found a psychiatrist too. And so I got on a new drug and 
And, and so we got my body back to functioning. And then I was able to pivot into the higher level thinking or challenges I was having, which was the money over my business and my attitudes towards money. And then to close the loop on that, I got so far with that and felt good that I was able to leave the therapist and say, I think I'm getting what I need through the business coaching I'm getting through Jessica Butts's program because it deals with the psychology as well as the actual nuts and bolts of your business. And so, but I just want, if there's one thing your listeners take away from this is that forgetting all the artistic stuff that is my passion, there is no reason to be ashamed when your mind betrays you. And you, if there is help out there, there's no reason to be ashamed for taking medication. You do it if you have diabetes or high cholesterol. There is no reason why you shouldn't seek professional help. I mean, we all go to the gym if we're being good kids, you know, why wouldn't we serve our mind at least as much as we serve our bodies? So I speak about having therapy, being on medication as if I was talking to you about which hair color I'm going to choose. Like it is no big deal. And um, it took me forever to get over the shame of seeing a therapist or telling people I was on medication. I am so over that. I'm so out of the closet on that. Like if you need help, don't be quiet about it. And in fact, all the therapy therapists I've had in my entire life have said the reason I've survived is because I'm not afraid to seek help, that I connect. I still try to find someone. And I used to think that was a weakness, that if I were tough, I could do it myself, you know, like a cowboy in Montana. What a, mis what a misconception that is though, right? Because I think it takes more strength to go to a therapist and open up and share the fact that you have a problem. Yeah. No matter how big or small, something right. isn't right. Something's not right. clicking the way it should be. Right. It's much harder to me and takes more strength to admit that than to hide it and go through every day miserable. And because it was my, it, I knew I had to do that, even though I thought I was weak, and that's quite the contrary, because it's my natural way of doing it even though it was hard to find a therapist, but it was no question in my mind I needed therapy. Um, to me, I didn't see it as a strength. I needed my the professionals to, to let me pat myself on the back, if you will. But I'm also grateful I had a health insurance that could pay for it yeah. and things like that. And time, I didn't have a nine to five job or a little three little kids or something. And I've been in my life where I had all that. And it's like, I don't know when I'm going to go. And you, mm -hmm. and, and back in the day, you'd sneak out at your lunch hour and pretend you were getting your nails done yet again <laughs> or something. I mean, no more of that. And so just to anyone who needs help, especially in this very difficult time, I mean, the world has been in crisis for a long time. The pandemic is just the latest scary threat. Help is is a phone call away. It's a text away. You don't, I mean, professionals, definitely, they have their place. And I think a wise friend knows when you need to go to a professional and won't push you to do something that you shouldn't do. But anyone can tell you it's okay to to need help. In fact, mm -hmm. who doesn't need help? I mean, we need help in our businesses. Why wouldn't we need help in the most complicated organ in our body? Yeah. Um, I think so. it's important to note too, Lori, is that if we don't care for ourselves and get the help that we need, and I can talk to you straight, straight away on this. Like we can both be open because I struggle with anxiety. And I mean, I have since I was a little girl, but back then it was just, who knows what's wrong with her. She just doesn't want to go to school, you know, but right. the physical symptoms, they couldn't find anything, you know, right. and those physical symptoms, they still manifest today when I'm anxious or nervous or stressed. And so, and I know exactly what it is, but there are medications to help get through that. But if I didn't take a medication for that, my family would suffer. Right. And I think it's really important for, for people to step outside of the mindset of it's about me. It is about you, but even more so than about you, it's about the others in your life, the people right. that you love and you're meant to serve, but you right. can't do that if you're not healthy. Exactly. And I think, you know, when someone is in the depths of depression, they think the world would be better off without them. And that's part of the disease. As my yeah. psychiatrist told me, 
you know, depression makes you stupid, quote unquote. You can't function. You can't do the simplest tasks. And you don't think clearly because your mind is your brain and, and your ner nervous system is flooding you with inappropriate stimulation. And so you, you, you're making the wrong decision. And that's why you need to find someone who will affirm for you that you are not a mistake and the world will not be the same without you. And that when you're feeling your worst, you need to look outside yourself and say, whose lives will I ruin if I'm not here to serve them? And I just, I, I never stop talking about it because these things are just ever present. And if there's one thing I do on this planet and get someone help, then, you know, I've made a difference. Yeah, 100%. And you are making a difference in so many ways. And see, Lori, you talked about strength and you have a historical story that I have heard you tell. And I think I sat in the audience and I laughed and I cried and I cried and I laughed, <laughs> but the miraculous escape. My family, both my parents were born in Nazi in Germany. And then when the Nazis took over and they were both less than 10 years old, their families had to get out. And we have two miraculous escapes in my nuclear family because both my mother and father as little children got out with their nuclear families and met in this country and um, thrived and took advantage of the wonderful country that America has been to so many immigrants. And um, they, on both sides of my family, the things that got them out were a combination of good luck and let me think certainly and listening and listening and the irony or not is that both the mothers my my maternal and paternal grandmothers were the ones who told their spouses we need to get out. They saw the writing on the wall before their husbands, who were the breadwinners, did. And um, the, the things that they had to do in the case of my mom, who's now living with us, and she's 88. And she's um, adorable. <laughs> thanks. Um, she's living with us to keep her safe from the pandemic. Her... Um, her family, her parents sent both her and her only sibling, Peter Mayer, to live in an orphanage in Amsterdam for a year, thinking they would never see them again. They sent them away. And then through miraculous things that happened, they were both, the, my grandfather and grandmother were both able to find their kids again and reunite with them and um get out and in my multimedia presentation which is kind of like my own ken burns my sort of hour and a half musical video whatever ken burns live ken burns um i talk about all the things that happen on both sides of my family that were a matter of timing that if this had happened a day later they wouldn't have gotten out and even my mom, if she had not ended up flying to Bozeman 36 hours before another group of skiers that was going to join her, she wouldn't have been able to get out from Phoenix and she'd be trapped there. It's kind of freaky that she's getting another miraculous escape, this time from a virus. And um, so, um, and on my dad's side of the family, my paternal grandfather was a respected uh, banker in his community of Karlsruhe. And he didn't want to leave because he didn't want people to panic. And then finally, as he, there's a great story in my presentation about how someone took personal risk, a non-Jewish colleague took personal risk, took him for a walk and said, Fritz, you need to listen to this. You need to get your family out. Nobody can hear this conversation. Go. And once he left, other people started to leave. And so he felt guilty once he got here for waiting so long. It's a little bit like not listening to the signs about the pandemic, like, you know, not paying attention. 
And, and so the first thing he did when he got to this country was help. He, according to family memoirs, he helped 60 people make it out, but there were 60 people that were in his world that he couldn't save. And so um, it was luck, it was paying attention, it was listening to their wives. <laughs> <laughs> Women's <Listen>. intuition. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, that's a huge part of our story. And honestly, I wasn't even aware of it until 2012 and 2013 when I started diving in deep and ended up turning it into a performance piece. And I, I can't leave this story without letting people know that my aunt, my dad's oldest and only sister, left, you know, safely with her nuclear family went back to Nazi Germany or after the war and was at age 23 an interpreter and translator for the Nuremberg trials. The very first trials, the ones with Goering and Hess and all the, the biggest, baddest guys. The, the first trials had the 22 leaders. Hitler had killed himself and then there was Goering and Hess and all those guys. And because she was fluent in German and English, she was able to translate simultaneously back and forth. And she was present in the room where, when uh, Chief Justice Jackson spoke his iconic speech about how the Nuremberg trials were gonna set the standard for what justice is and what are war crimes. And, and so she has this huge legacy too. So, I mean, our, our family has made a difference, but, um, I, I tell you, so have so many others, but the biggest tragedy to me is all the families who never made it out. Goodness knows what, what contributions to humanity we will never see because these people were slaughtered. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that breaks my heart. Yeah. And my takeaway from that, but my takeaway from my presentation is, yeah, this is our story and parts of it are pretty exciting, um, but hopefully yours aren't as exciting. <laughs> hopefully your family wasn't sub subjected to such trauma, but I can tell you everybody's story is exciting. Go find it, go tell it, go share it. It can be through photographs. It can be through words and poetry. It can be through song. It, it, it can be through tape recordings of your elders that you share with, that you archive in a way so that when your kids are interested, and they might not be interested till they're 40 or 50, and that's the truth, but you don't want your elders to pass on, and, and you and your descendants don't know the story, so go find it and share it. Yeah, I love that story, and I love how you turned it into a musical, basically. I mean, you you performed throughout, and you you added humor, but there was there were also tears because it was it's a very very sad and heavy topic, um, and it's it happens to be. And the reason I wanted you to tell about it today was because that happens to be like historical fiction is my favorite genre to read, but. I have read just about every historical fiction book there is on World War II and Nazi Germany and France and everything. And um, I'm fascinated by it. And so, you know, another emotional connection the two of us have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Lori, one thing that I know you're very passionate about, and that is um, that creative thinking allows us to find opportunities in hidden places. And you just kind of alluded to that, that we all have a story within us and we need to tap into those stories and be sure that we embrace them and share them for future generations. And I think what you're doing with your business is about storytelling. Personal branding is storytelling. And you're doing that for so many artists who are trying to tell their own stories. So it's so interesting because I, I sent that to you maybe 10 days ago and the world has shifted so much in the last 10 days that I was thinking about kind of the typical creative things we do and finding opportunities in hidden places. And I was referring to the fact that usually in, in every transaction, money is the resource that's of in least abundance and the one that is needed to move a project forward. But I try to think about how we can exchange goods and services when money isn't um, the mo in the amount that we need. And I won't really delve into that now because instead, given that in the last 10 days, 
I am starting to pivot and create new projects that are um, in light of the pandemic. So I am now working with two choreographers and a video editor in Bozeman, and we are going to create a digitally, you know, a socially distanced musical dance project that we're going to submit to um, one of our partners and clients, Davenport Theatrical Enterprises, that is a champion of theater. And they are they in they were finding opportunities in hidden places. So they launched a contest that said, here we're having a contest and it's got to be about the theme of social distancing and you have to do it in a way that shows that you were not close to another human being. And so we're going to create this project remotely in our own um, settings and use the power of the video camera to put it all together. So that's an opportunity I hadn't really thought of until mm -hmm. a week ago when it wouldn't have been necessary. We would have gotten in the same room and I might've played live while they danced or whatever, but now yeah. it's performances need to be done solo and we might splice them together somehow. So that's really awesome. I can't wait to see that. Well, hopefully I get to see it, I guess, if yeah, depending on yeah. where it's shown right yeah um Lori, this has been so awesome because it's so it's really fun for me to get to share people that have had an impact on my life but it's it's even more fun for me to be able to i shouldn't even say fun but it fuels me to be able to share those people with so many other people and you've given so many great points and takeaways, um, both from a professional and personal perspective, which is my goal with this podcast is to have personal and business development. So I wanna thank you, first of all, so much from the bottom of my heart for being here. And then I wanna ask you, do you have a book recommendation? I do. And and this is a book I haven't read in a long time, but I read it twice a few years ago, and I think it's relevant now. And it's 10% Happier by Dan Harris. And the subtitle is How I Tamed the Voice in My Head, Reduced Stress Without Losing My Edge, and Found Self-Help That Actually Works, A True Story. And it's basically a very humorous but insightful guide to how this very type A self-described egotist of a reporter and journalist on Good Morning America found meditation as a tool. And even if you never meditate for more than two seconds in your life, because I don't often don't do that, the insights in this book have are so useful and funny. And he really dives deep. And anyone who thinks all this woo-woo meditation stuff isn't for me, you're still going to learn a lot. And it'll just dovetail on all the mindfulness and, and integrity things that you and I think about all day long as we try to bring our best selves to the table. And as you and I were talking about anxiety and all the things that we do to try to make it in our lives, um, he has a quote that says the price of security is insecurity until it's no longer useful. Ooh. So the, and that in a nutshell is those of us who strive to be our best selves find that we're insecure and, and, and we're, that leads to anxiety, which can lead to depression. And so he helps you navigate the idea that it's okay to be always striving, but you have to know when to put the brakes on, when good enough is good enough. Um, and I, I think that this could be a very useful tool for anyone, not in times of crisis, but certainly in times of crisis, because most every one of us has a voice in our head that's talking to us. And sometimes yeah. what that voice is saying is not that useful. <laughs> <laughs> very true imposter syndrome is very real yes. right right and how about a favorite quote you've given us a couple of really good quotes throughout our conversation but do you have any that like just really grasp you um I'll, one of them that i was thinking about was when you find yourself the smartest one in the room you're in the wrong room i love that one <laughs> okay so that's telling everyone it's okay 
to continue to grow. You don't want to be the smartest one in the room. You want to keep learning. And that just relates to you'll never go broke from investing in yourself. The edge of your comfort zone can be your comfort. Your comfort zone can be the edge of your comfort zone. If you're always okay stepping your toe a little outside of where you want to be, believe me, people will respect you and you will respect yourself. It's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and then don't do what you suck at. You know, your previous guest that, that just aired, um, you know, Gina and Jenny both said it's okay to hire other people to do what you're not good at. Mm-hmm. So I would say you could, you know, there's a whole bunch more quotes, but yeah, I think that one makes me laugh. When you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah, I love that in, on so many levels. <laughs> Lori, thank you so much for being here and shining your light for us. Thank you for doing this every day for us, Robin. And I I really appreciate that you invited me to be on this. You're doing the world a wonderful service. Thank you, Lori. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, The Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the Second Phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.